eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, the 2023 NFL Draft is in the books, TJ. I know it didn't play out necessarily how we all saw it going, but any any surprises across the NFL? We'll talk about the Lions uh, here in just a minute um, and what they did in the draft. We think they're better, if they're worse, what, what they did with their draft picks and the, the draft capital that they had. But any giant surprises from you in rounds one or two early on in the draft? Yeah, I mean, draft night was, uh, the first round at least, was certainly a surprise. Chaos. Um, not only with all the trades and, and whatnot, but, you know, us us fans, us on the out, us outsiders, we get so in tuned with, you know, these mock drafts and who, you know, Mel Kuyper and McShay say are their top, you know, 50 guys, and you're like, okay, and you buy into that. Uh, but every year, I don't know why we keep getting suckered in because it never works out that way. There's always picks you know, that, that actually come to the NFL draft. There's always teams that obviously their board is completely different than what we think it's going to be. Um, the trade situations, I mean, gosh, there were a ton of them in the first round there, right? Teams yep. moving around, teams moving back, teams moving up. I mean, it was probably the most uh, chaotic first round that I remember watching as a fan. Um, but for the Lions' perspective, look, I thought it was, uh, it was a roller coaster of emotion. It really was. I mean, Thursday night we're sitting there and we're like, okay, look at all these guys on the board, right? And boom, running back, like, whoa, hold on a minute, right? All we've been hearing about is, you know, B. John Robinson over the past couple months. Nobody really had Jameer Gibbs' name up there. So that was like, all right, a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, You know, and then Jack Campbell, I know he was a guy, obviously, that we get kind of lost in the mocks a little bit. Everybody's thinking he would have been a good, you know, second second round pick. pick. And you're like, okay, all right, you know, let me kind of get, you know, wrap my head around this a little bit, come to grips with it. Um, but then, you know, I woke up Friday and I'm like, you know what, man, like this team got better. This team got some dudes that are going to come in day one and hopefully be impact players on this team. And, you know, when you start to piece together, not the whole draft, right. All seven rounds, when you start to hear 
uh, Brad Holmes talk a little bit, when you see the reactions, when you see the corresponding moves, right, trading uh, DeAndre Swift to Philly, which I know we'll get to in a little bit, uh, you start to understand the bigger picture a little bit better, right? So um, I was certainly one of those guys. I'm guilty of it Thursday night. I went through a little period where uh, I'm like, man, running back, you know, running back, man, like this, there's so many other positions uh, that this team needs to address. But then you look at it and you say, maybe this draft was just really, really weird where teams felt like maybe there were 10, maybe 15 guys with legit first round grades on them. And we know basically by Brad Holmes's reaction in the draft when they were able to get Gibbs that they had an incredibly high grade on him. And then you hear, you know, if they couldn't have traded out of that sixth pick, they would have been comfortable taking him there. So I kind of put that all together and I say, you know what? The bottom line is, I think this is a team that understands and believes they're ready to win now. Okay. Because if you look at it, just call it what it is. If a team like, you know, Buffalo or Kansas City or Philadelphia or San Francisco picks a running back in the first round, you know what everybody's saying? Oh my God, this team just got so much better. Oh man, they're just keep adding more playmakers, right? (laughs) But when we do it, it's like, whoa, whoa, you don't take the run. You know what I mean? So it's kind of different there. Um, but that to me, yeah, that should let all of us know that this team believes that they're in a great spot to win now, right? And they just added another, uh, hopefully dynamic piece to this already, you know, explosive offense, a guy that can hopefully make the loss of Jameson Williams throughout those first six games uh, a little bit easier. But the bottom line is, man, and I, I think with all their picks, they got better. Yep. They got better. Hooker, now, <laughs> and, and Hooker was an interesting one. Right. I think it was pretty yeah. clear that uh, they wanted to address the quarterback position at some point. I know that we're not going to expect him to come in and be a, a, a starter, at, at, certainly this year, maybe even next year. Yeah. Um, so behind the scenes, I got to let everybody know, as soon as they took Hendon Hooker, my, flow, my phone blew up by one TJ Lang <laughs> saying, hey, hey, where's the audio when I said you're going to take a mid-round draft pick, a quarterback? This is Anybody can fit into this offense is quarterback friendly. I mean, you could not. You must have broke your shoulder trying we, to pat yourself on the back. I mean, we hit so many scenarios. I can't take credit for <laughs> being, you know, being directly right on that. I mean, we yeah. talked about taking one at six. We talked about taking one, you know, in the middle rounds. Um, Hennon Hooker, to me, is a guy that I think clearly, you know, they're they're trying to get a little bit more athletic at that position. They take him, who's a really good athlete. You know, they sign. And look, I know. Adrian Martinez probably has a very low percentage shot of making this team, but he was a guy in college, obviously yeah. very gifted athlete running. You know what I mean? So they've kind of, they went down that path of trying to add a little bit more speed, at least to that backup position. Um, I will say though, I think that, you know, when that draft Thursday night came, to be honest with you, the first five picks, I think were probably, and I'm not going to say this in a negative tone, but I think they played out probably the worst case for the lions well now hold on a second i'm not going to say worst case is they had to settle but i think that they had extremely high grades they knew they weren't getting bryce young right we can scratch that off the board but they had extremely high grades on the next four guys that went and if one of those guys was sitting there who knew that you know houston was gonna grab cj stroud and then move back up right we didn't know that was kind of the domino we knew arizona was going to try to move around we all thought it was going to be for one of those quarterback hungry teams that wants to bounce up and bounce some of these guys back. They had extremely high grades on Witherspoon, uh, Stroud, obviously Will Anderson, 
Anthony Richardson, I don't know. I mean, if he was still on the board there at six, I, I don't think he would have been the pick. But if Stroud, Anderson, Witherspoon would have been there, I don't think we would have saw that trade back because they had extremely high grades on three of those guys. And when they said, you know what, Stroud didn't fall, Stroud ended up going number two. Now we have to pivot a little bit between, hey, let's take the quarterback position, kind of put on the back burner, and let's give the guy we have now, Jared Goff, as many weapons as possible to to, uh, to succeed on offense. That's why I think they went out and got Jameer Gibbs at 12. So, I mean, it, it, I didn't think it played out as bad as you did. In terms of Brad Holmes' draft board, maybe it did. If they If they really wanted Witherspoon, I don't know that I thought I don't know anybody thought that Seattle was going to take Witherspoon. No. Um, you know, at, at five. So when I saw three quarterbacks, Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson go in the top five, and Will Anderson was gone, to me, in my mind, that left Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter. And a lot of people believe that Seattle was going to take Jalen Carter. So Tyree Wilson was going to be there. Either way, we were going to have a pick of one of those guys. And then they traded out of that six pick. I, I, your reaction when, and I know you didn't think that they were going to be in the Jalen Carter camp, that he was clearly off their board. But were you surprised that with Tyree Wilson there that they didn't go with him? No, because I started to hear a little bit of rumblings the day of. Foot injury? They, yeah, I think there were more concerns uh, than – anything that had been leaked out to the public or leaked out to the media. I think that, and I don't know the details. Um, I think that there were, but from my understanding, I think there was a very high concern about uh, that possible foot injury and the recovery. And there were just some weird things going on there. Um, And maybe a few other things. I don't want to, you know, I'm not here to try to rip anybody down, but I think there were just, there were a little bit more question marks around Tyree Wilson than, uh, you know, anything that we were able to read or anything that came out in the media. So, um, I mean, look, the guy was still, in my opinion, still a hell of a player. Obviously, uh, there were a lot of teams that felt that way because, you know, he he went from being mocked as high as two over Will Anderson to, uh, you know, he didn't fall dramatically, but, you know, going down to seven. I mean, I think even the Raiders probably took a little bit of a chance on him based off of just his athletic ability. But I wasn't surprised that the Lions – uh, weren't considering him just based off of, you know, there was there was high concern there, along with, I don't think the same concern with Jalen Carter, but high enough concern to where they didn't want to invest uh, that high of a pick into a guy that uh, had some question marks around him. Well, then you look and you say, okay, well, they trade back. And every year, I, I, I know you and I value picks um, last year, it seemed like it was a no-brainer, right? You were either going to take uh, Hutch or Thibodeau or Walker. Um, but in most drafts, because the, the Lions have been drafting in the top five or top ten <laughs> frequently, yeah. uh, oh, wow. it was, hey, trade back, get as much draft capital. And the argument is always you've got to have somebody that wants to trade up. Well, in, in the one year where I wanted them to take a player, for me it was Jayla Carter, uh, they end up trading back. Um, with the Arizona Cardinals to 12. And I was okay with that trading back. Um, I didn't like it that they traded out of the top 10, but again, you've got to have somebody that's willing to move up. They found the Cardinals were, uh, but then you get Jameer Gibbs, which was a surprise, not that he was necessarily a first round pick, but that he went as high as 12. And you mentioned it earlier, Jack Campbell went 18. 
the Lions' second pick. Sam Laporta went 34, uh, you know, a couple of picks into the second round. Uh, now that – we'll talk about the individuals in just a minute. Now that you've seen especially the first two rounds of of the Lions, and to, to round it out, it's Brian Branch, who I think was a great steal, was a 14 picks into the second round. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on just the potential of having four starters, early on starters, whether Branch starts as a rookie at, at any point, I think he'll eventually work his way into that role. Uh, Sam Laporta, I, I think, will start. I think the other two guys um, are able to to find starting roles as well. But the quality of draft, and you mentioned the Lions clearly are in the camp of, hey, we can win now, and we can win big now with Jared Goff, with this offensive line. The 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 value of getting four starters in a draft that might start as rookies. Yeah, honestly, I think anything less would be uh, disappointing, to be honest with you. Um, well, I mean, now look, I know those are not, high ex- I don't know that you expect second round picks no, to here, immediately come in and I'm start. Not, I'm not going to expect Brian Branch to only because we know that they just signed three guys to fill those right. needs, right? Brian Branch to me is a guy that, like you said, he's going to come in and, and probably be a rotational guy at first. But this wasn't about, I don't think this pick was about this year, right? This yep. was about the future. And we love the signings that they made with, with Mosley and with Sutton and with uh, Gardner Johnson. But the reality is, you know, who's their top four defensive backs right now? Um, you know, three of them are going to be on their last year of their deal, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm throwing Jerry Jacobs in there as well. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time, whether it be inside or, or outside in that uh, the slot position or outside corner. Um, he's going to be a free agent after this year. Gardner Johnson's on a one-year deal. Mosley's on a one-year deal, right? So you have to you, – you you had to find somebody that you could lock down for the next four years. Yeah. You can't just keep going one-year deals with everybody. So I, I don't I, – it's unfair for me to say I expect Brian Branch to come in and be a day-one starter. That's not what I'm saying. But when you talk about Laporta and you talk about that uh, that tight end room, is it unfair to say, okay, he should probably beat out – you know, Brock Ryder, oh, yeah. at least no, the should. number two, yeah. uh, you know, tight end on the roster right now, whether it's Zilstra, whether it's Mitchell, I expect him to be better than, than those guys, right? I think anything less than that, and maybe it takes a little bit of time. Maybe it takes, you know, until week four, five, six for him to really grow into it and start becoming a, um, you know, a focal point of, of this offense. Um, but guys in the first round, I expect Jack Campbell to be a day one starter. Mm-hmm. I expect Jameer Gibbs to be a day one starter. Um it, and I know running backs are going to rotate, so I'm not going to freak out if Montgomery's getting the first snaps of the game and then he comes in. But he's right. going to be a, a very valuable piece of this offense. I think anything less than having three of those guys come in and, you know, from day one be like, you're obviously going to have to earn it. These coaches aren't going to hand you anything. But these are high draft picks. And I expect it, the Porta, I mean, what a pick 34. I mean, that's almost an extension of the first round almost. Right. So yeah, at least three of those guys you expect to come in and contribute day one. Now the question is, you know, that linebacker room, right? We obviously know that Rodriguez is going into a second year. Everybody loved him last year. They just resigned uh, Anzalone to a three-year deal. Uh, where is Jack Campbell going to fit in that mix? Whose spot is he going to take? Because let's be honest. I mean, 60 to 70 percent percent of the snaps you play on defense are in sub or nickel or dime whatever you want to call it with uh, more defensive backs on the field than only two linebackers mm-hmm. right i think obviously we could say hey, yeah four three those are probably going to be your three guys but when you go to nickel you know who's how, do, how is that rotation going to fill out good thing is anytime you add a 
a, a premier young player, the competition is going to raise in that group. Guys like Rodriguez, guys even like Anzalone are going to understand they're going to have to be a whole lot better than they were last year if they want to keep playing on the field because Jack Campbell is that type of player that can come in day one and take your spot if you're not working hard for it. I think it's, to me, just looking at the skill set, Anzalone is somewhat limited in coverage. You've got Rodrigo, who's a former defensive back, yeah. um, converted to linebacker. He's probably going to be in that. His skill set is more of a, I can cover some guys. Yeah, he could fill some holes, but um, his size, his skill set, his speed, his, his reactionary speed, I thought was really good last year. Um, and his awareness and his knowledge of what's going on in the secondary. And then Jack Campbell, I mean, we hear about this freakish athlete, right? Grades is one of the top, the best athletic scores coming out of the combine. I got to imagine that he's going to be a part of that as well, because what we've seen now, especially when you start talking about playoff teams, one of the things that they have and that they utilize in the nickel package is they'll feature their tight ends. Yeah. This is a guy that can match up with tight ends. I don't know if he can match up with, with Kittle. I don't know if he can match up with Kelsey, but of the guys that are on the roster, he gives you the best chance. Yeah. Now, does it give you any concern? Because this is the first thing I thought of, to be honest with you, when they drafted a tight end is was kind of like, oh, no, like we saw what this offense was with a. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply supposed you know focal tight end in here with hawkinson right yeah obviously hawkinson got traded and we all remembered what happened the rest of the year they went eight and two and it was like okay you know hey the offense is pretty damn good when you're not trying to force the ball to a tight end or make the tight end the focal point yeah. of your scheme um i think that just and look i i don't i didn't watch a lot of sam laporta in college uh, but just over the weekend, obviously watching some highlights, the one thing that kind of stood out stood out about him was he can do a lot after the catch. Right. You know what I mean? And that's something that I think a guy like Hawkinson really didn't have. You know, it he was would kind of tackle. catch the ball, fall down, or catch the ball, tackle. Um, but I do, I, I don't, I just don't want them to try to force the tight end position to be a huge focal point like it was at the first half of last year because we saw that kind of threw out the scheme a little bit. We saw that was kind of Jared Goff's security blanket. Anytime it's a third down, I'm looking for the tight end, right? If they try to do the same things again, we already saw that it didn't work out. So I hope Laporta can come in and be a nice complimentary piece. Uh, but the one thing about him that I will say is I just I hope he turns out to be a really good run blocker, right? Because I know that a guy that we all loved and kind of talked about and were enamored with 
at the tight end spot was that kid from Georgia. Darnell right? Washington. Six, Darnell Washington, 6'7", 280. Biggest uh, number zero I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's like a – he was like having a six, a six offensive lineman right. out there. That guy was a mauler in the run game. He was the guy that I kind of wanted just so you don't have to run so many of those – uh, extra tackle packages, right? You can open up the more scheme, um, more flexibility within personnel groups, having a guy like that. So if Laporta can come in and earn his keep at first, at least being a run blocker and then develop into one of those guys that can be a threat in the middle of the field. I, I mean, I obviously trust Ben Johnson to make sure that, that he gets it right with those guys. Here's the difference I saw at the end of the, the first or end of the season last year when the, the Lions were having more success was one, obviously defensive side of the ball played better. That has no impact on the tight end. Right. Other than situations that you're in and not always playing from behind. But the Lions were a lot healthier at the end of the year. DJ Shark missed some time at the beginning of the year. And and even though Jamison Williams didn't have an impact at the end of the year, at least he was on the field running some routes. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was dinged up a little bit middle of the season, played healthy at the end of the year. Swift was out for a while, yeah. Yeah, and so really the only one that wasn't dinged up was TJ Hawkinson. Now all of a sudden he's traded, everybody else gets a little bit healthier, and the tight end was still a big part of the offense, but it wasn't the focal part, but it didn't have to be. So I think as long as Ben Johnson, and I do believe that Ben Johnson isn't going to make Laporta the focus of this offense. They're going to have other weapons that they're going to utilize Early on, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he may be forced into catching some more balls just because you're not going to have Jamison Williams. But now all of a sudden you got Jameer Gibbs, who's not only, uh, you know, you're going to have Montgomery in the backfield. You you can use Gibbs as a slot receiver. You can run him out of the backfield and throw him the ball. It gives you another weapon to take attention off of your tight end or your, your tight end takes attention off him or St. Brown, like they have the ability to spread the ball around. And it's really going to be a matter of Ben Johnson's scheme and Jared Goff's eyes. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think, look, Jared Goff took a big enough step um, last year towards the end of the year to where we can uh, start to realize he's that quarterback that when you give him new pieces, he's not going to try to force the ball to them. You're just adding more weapons to your arsenal and, a more situational uh, ability to, you know, find guys and, and make big big plays. I think, look, we kind of hit those for top four picks. I just wanted to ask you real quick, the DeAndre Swift trade. Yeah. Obviously, we know the pick in two years from now, right? That's 2025. It's the fourth round pick. Fourth round, right, which we see fourth round, and you're kind of like, okay, I mean, fourth round ain't bad two years from now so you think the value is probably down a little bit um i kind of thought that there was a chance that to make that situation even better you know you have jameer gibbs and obviously dave montgomery but i thought it maybe if you just keep deandre swift and you get him motivated on a contract year uh, that that could have been the first time that we would see his true potential and now you could see a guy that even if it's what the trade deadline's like week eight, yeah. even if the first six games you have, I mean, he's staying healthy and he's playing and he's dynamic. That would only kind of add to his, uh, you know, value. The value as far as trade. I get it that Brad Holmes said, you know what, it's best for both sides. Obviously um, they tried to make it easy for Swift and say, you know what, we got it, man. 
you know, if we want to be assholes, we'll keep you here and run you into the ground until your contract's up. Obviously, they didn't want to do that. But part of me was like, man, I felt like even after they drafted Jameer Gibbs, I'm like, I think I would keep DeAndre Swift. I think I would. I think that we're going to I think this would be the first year where we would see that full potential, because like I just mentioned, you have a guy that's going to be more more motivated than he's ever been in his four years of his career. Right. He's been hurt. He was a second round pick. A lot of high expectations. Did a lot of really good things when he was on the field. His issue was obviously the injuries and just couldn't stay on the field. I thought this would have been the year where you could really have, and we know, like, we know that they don't like just running two running backs, right? We know that they like running Justin Jackson coming in last year and Craig Reynolds yeah. and all these guys. I mean, they like having four or five different guys that they can kind of rotate and get in there. Um, I just thought, man, I really would have liked to see DeAndre Swift fully motivated. I don't think that we saw that in his time here in Detroit. I've been preaching the whole contract year all offseason since the, since since they won in Green Bay. Everybody's like, hey, we need to move on from DeAndre Swift. I have been preaching as a in a contract year, I think he is going to be motivated. I think he is going to be a guy that plays with injuries that in the previous three years he probably wouldn't play with. Now Philly gets that that upside, but it's the final year of his contract. And if he's not part of the 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 solution long term, I don't think you I don't think his value goes up going into the season and getting close to the trade deadline because a team is only going to have them. They're only have, have them as a rental this year. I don't think Philly resigns them. And so no, they don't pay running backs. <laughs> no. So if, if, if you're going to have them as a rental, you want them for the whole season, not just for the last half of the season. And if you have them for the last half of the season, it's probably not a fourth. Uh, and it's probably, you know, I, part of that trade was swapping, you know, seventh round picks, yeah. which is not a huge deal, but it's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, but I do think going into the season, uh, he was primed for a big year for motivation. But on the flip side, you're not going to get that value leading up to the trade deadline as much as you probably got for him. You're also going to be taking opportunities away from Jameer Gibbs, from right. Montgomery. And, yeah, they like to the platoon guys, but they've been platooning guys probably because they knew Swift couldn't handle carrying the ball 20 times a game because whether it was, you know, carrying the ball, catching the ball, like he can only take so many hits in a game. Now you've got a guy in Jameer Gibbs that, you know, has proven throughout his time in Alabama. Now doesn't mean anything in the NFL. He is a little bit undersized. And in, in college football, he was bouncing off a lot of tacklers. I don't know that that happens as much in the NFL. He's going to have to try and, and, and elude some more of those, but, I would rather have him on the field and utilize his skill set along with Montgomery, along with whoever else they have in the backfield than to have some of those stolen by because you want to showcase Swift to hopefully trade him at the deadline. Yeah. And, and look, I'm with you. I mean, obviously the sure the major hope was, you know, Hey, if he looks great for the first six you know, weeks, good seven weeks and, you know, a playoff team, I don't know, their running back goes down, and now you have a little bit of leverage. Right? I get it. But at the end of the day, Brad Holmes said we we did what was best for us. We did what was best for him and and decided to move on. Now, here's the thing. I mean, we all love that. You know, we all love draft picks. We all love guys that can come in. I mean, like you just kind of mentioned, there's no guarantee that Jameer Gibbs is going to stay healthy, right? right? We don't know. I mean, obviously that, you know, his track record, he played a, a whole season at Alabama. Before that, I think he played – uh, you know, the whole season at Georgia Tech, I think, yep. was where he came from. Um, but there's no guarantee with these guys, right? Uh, that's why, you know, even the undrafted kid that got out of uh, the running back, uh, 
Ibrahim. Mo from, Ibrahim, uh, yeah. yeah, Mo yeah, Ibrahim had the from, Achilles a couple years ago. I mean, he was a guy they picked up, undrafted free agent, uh, you know, out of out of Minnesota. He's a banger, he's, he's a big body. He's a tough dude, man, and he's got a chance to make this team and, and make an impact on this team because they like rotating those guys so much. But um, I was excited with all the picks. I mean, the bottom line is, hey, throw your – you want to bitch about, you know, value and all this, throw it out the window. Bottom line is they went out and targeted the guys that they thought were going to be impact players and thought – that they were going to be special players on this team, fit the culture. We obviously saw that all that talk we had the last couple of weeks about guys like Jalen Carter and, hey, are they going to take a chance? Where are they at? You know, do they they still going to build off of character? Uh, obviously, all those questions were answered. We know that they're still building this thing uh, the same way that they were two years ago when they got here. And the bottom line is they got better. They got better. Now, the interesting thing will be, Probably a year from now because I don't think it'll be interesting this year. But Hendon Hooker, you go out and get Hendon Hooker. Is he the future at quarterback? Best case scenario, yes. Best case scenario, Hendon Hooker can come in. And he said all the right things, right? He said that he wants to come in and learn under Jared Goff and pick his brain and, um, you know, just try to sit and soak everything up, right? Nobody expects Hendon Hooker. I don't even know if he's going to be ready. I mean, didn't he tear his ACL in November? Yeah, it was right. earlier than Jamison Williams did. Yeah, but it's—I mean, who knows what well, who his knows? time timetable is to right. be back on the who field? Who knows? So, best case scenario this year, you know, he comes in and he's able to maybe get ahead of the bell curve as far as as being cleared and ready to go, and he's a good, really good backup, almost like a, a Teddy Bridgewater type, right? A guy that you can rely on, a guy that say. Hey, now we don't have to panic anymore. Now we don't no. have to have that situation where if Jared Goff goes down, what's going to happen? Hopefully, Hendon Hooker, best case scenario this year, would be he's a guy Better that can Sudfeld. come and at least get you through a couple series or get you through a half or get you through a game if you need to, if he's healthy. Um, best case scenario moving forward, yeah, this guy looks like the real deal. This guy is athletic. He's fast. He's got a cannon for an arm. You know, he's making all the reads. He's making all the throws. And guess what? In year two, we're going with him. He's going to be our guy. And now you have, I know he was a third-round pick, so you don't have that five-year window you would with the first-round pick, but now you could really have a three-year window where you have a guy cheap, young, young, he's like 26 already. (laughs) But but you get it. He's in his second year. Um, And now now you have incredible flexibility to not uh, be handicapped by – a hefty quarterback salary. And that's something that, John, I think teams are starting to take notice of this. I think teams are starting to get a little bit fed up with how out of control this quarterback market is getting. I think there was a reason we saw the record number of quarterbacks drafted this year. Yeah. I think it was 11 in the top uh, you know, 140 picks alone, which was an all-time record. I think teams are st- starting to take notice that – hey, we're going to try to hit a lottery pick with one of these guys, so maybe we don't have to pay, you know, one of these kind of middle, middle, 50, middle quarterback, a Daniel Jones or a Ryan Tannehill or one of these guys, you know, $45 million a year to. So I think the Lions were certainly uh, one of those teams as well. And look, best-case scenario, even better would be Jared Goff coming out and having an MVP-type season, right? Mm-hmm. That would be best-case scenario to where you can say yes, this guy is our future. This guy is our is our franchise quarterback, right? We took a chance on Hendon Hooker, but you know what that did? It raised the competition for Jared Goff, and he's out there playing uh, like he did the ten games ten, last ten games last year, and maybe can work himself into a legitimate 
top five quarterback uh, conversation. That would be best case scenario as well. So uh, I think they're in a good spot. And I think that obviously, um, you know, that was a, that was a position that, that, that they targeted and, uh, they felt really good about being able to get Hendon Hooker in the third round. Later in the week, we're going to talk about the final three draft picks that the Detroit Lions had in the third round. Broderick Martin, defensive tackle out of Western Kentucky. Colby Sorsdahl, offensive tackle out of William & Mary in the fifth round. And in the seventh round, uh, the the trade swap um, with the Philadelphia Eagles, Antoine Green out of North Carolina. We'll talk about those three guys uh, a little bit more. We're going to do some more film on them, as well as the undrafted free agents, um, what they offer, what their chances are of, of making the team. is a good crop of, of undrafted free agents that the Lions did sign. Uh, but that's coming up later in the week. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in just a few days on Necessary Roughness.